Hi, I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Welcome to my show, America Can We Talk. Today, we're going to talk about Tina Peters' trial starting in Colorado tomorrow, Arizona election further unraveling, criminal charges against Trump in Georgia, Kevin McCarthy stepping up, love this story, and a deep dive on the Biden documents espionage question mark. And of course, I'll tell you why these stories matter to you. Stay tuned. On America Can We Talk, I talk about election integrity, border security, healthcare freedom, race relations, energy and tax policy, education policy, free speech and assembly, freedom of religion, and all other issues that touch on the God-given right of every American to life, liberty, and the pursuit of their version of happiness. Stay tuned. And hello again, and welcome to America Can We Talk and to today's First Five. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. So Tina Peters, who was the Mesa County, Colorado clerk, who was in charge of the elections and the election machinery in uh, 2020 as well as 2022, uh, and is now facing criminal prosecution, her trial starts tomorrow. There's actually two trials. There are actually two trials coming up. Uh, one is coming up tomorrow as a Thursday and Friday trial, uh, January 26th and 27th, and a separate trial. These are criminal prosecutions. Uh, is set for March 3rd through 14th, as in they're anticipating an 11-day trial. To very quickly remind you or bring up to speed if you don't know about this case, so she was the election clerk. Information came to her attention that made her realize this was the most implausible election outcome imaginable happening in the county where she's responsible for the elections. And, and the short story was in Grand Junction, Colorado, which is something like 75 or 80 percent Republican. They had a city council race and they had Republicans running for four open seats and they had some Democrats and one or two of whom no one ever heard of. And somehow the election turned out reported that all the Democrats won in a county that is you know, 75, 80% Republican. She said, that doesn't sound right. And making a very long story very short, uh, she decided there was reason to try to examine whether or not there was an issue or a problem related to the use of the Dominion voting machines. Their uh, county, and maybe all of Arizona, I don't know, use Dominion voting machines. So her story was she was able to bring about uh, the taking of a forensic image. It's kind of like taking a screenshot of your, of your, if you're on a computer, take a screenshot or on your phone. But this is a forensic image, basically an image of the um, hard drives inside the Dominion voting machines. And she had two done, one um, at one point, and then in between that, Dominion conducted what they call their trusted build review. Dominion people come in, and, and do a trusted build. And then a second forensic image uh, was taken after the um, Dominion trusted build. So the data that was gathered, she uh, delivered to some experts who are understand, these are cyber experts of just enormous consequence, um, who looked very closely at all the data she had gathered. And they issued what has come to be known, Mesa, County report one, two, and three, or they just for shorthand, Mesa one, two, and three, or Mesa County one, two, or three. They are detailed analyses of what they found of the forensic image, the picture of what was happening inside the voting machines before and after Dominion came in, did it tr its trusted build. So these people issued, I did on our website today, I have linked to uh, what people mostly are concerned about or focusing on, which is uh, Mesa three. They call it Mesa three or Mesa County three. 
because that is the one that even an average citizen who doesn't have a cybersecurity background, you could determine, you could understand what they're describing. What They did a one-page conclusion. I'm not going to read the whole page. I'm going to get to what is happening to her in her trial, but what these people, uh, after reviewing the evidence, the, the um, forensic uh, images of these two machines, um, what they issued, their, their report, um, they called it Forensic Examination Proves Vote Manipulation and Illegal Destruction of Records on Dominion Voting Machines, and is by Jeffrey O'Donnell and Dr. Robert C. Doherty. And in very summary way, and there these people are actual experts, they're independent experts, they examined a copy of the hard drive from the Dominion Voting uh, Machine System um, in Mesa County, Colorado for two elections, November 2020, April 2021. As independent experts, we determined the machine secretly manipulated ballot data and destroyed critical records. That's their conclusion. This is not Tina Peters making this conclusion. She's This is experts looking at the data that she gave them. So in both elections, after vote counting was underway, thousands of ballots that had already been um, counted were secretly recounted inside the voting machines undetected by election officials. Alarmingly, the voting system had internal Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, wireless adapters allowing unauthorized external connectivity, including to the internet. This opened the door for almost any computer with internet access anywhere in the world to connect to the software and the server. The hard drive images show in both elections two new unauthorized shadow databases were secretly created on the machine after counting began, either through hacking or preset algorithms. So I am not accusing the Dominion Voting Machine Company of anything. I'm saying that this evidence was overwhelmingly produced by the, or this was a conclusion reached by these two experts after looking at actual data from the Dominion Voting Machines in Mesa County. So it's kind of like, and in fact, this uh, Mesa County report number three has been referred to as the Rosetta Stone that helps people understand how electronic election manipulation happens. And they're extraordinarily long reports. I've only read number three. I tried to wade, wade my way through one and two. They're really complex and they're not my cup of tea. But the conclusions that I just read to you, there is no one I'm aware of, and I follow these cases pretty closely, who is in any way disputing what these experts found. No one's saying, well, that's not true. No one's, no one's denying it. What is happening, and what I do want to make clear to you is, the reaction in Colorado, instead of people saying, wow, this is great, we now have evidence and now we know how to fix the problem. We understand we have a validation that this electronic manipulation of voter software is happening. And it not only is possible, it's happening. Instead, the state of Colorado is prosecuting Tina Peters because she brought this evidence to light. To be precise, they have their two actions she undertook, which are the subject of 10 criminal charges. I always was track it's seven felonies and three misdemeanors, or maybe it's the opposite, you know, three felonies and seven misdemeanors. All I know is that the two charges basically against her are number one, she went to her to officials above her. I believe it was the county commissioners, whatever their equivalent, uh, probably board of supervisors there, but anyway, went to them and said, I think we need to look inside 
these Dominion voting machines. There's something wrong here. She was urging them to do the investigation because you need to figure out what happened. How could, I mean, because everyone paying attention recognized there's no chance that the this uh, Grand Junction City Council race was legitimate, that the four Democrats, two, one or two of whom, totally unknown, beat popular incumbents who were Republican in this county. And so she went and asked them to do that. Now, there are, of course, as there should be, laws in place in every state, essentially trying to keep people out of the voting machines during the election process or ever trying to not have the voting machines have people not, not having it permissible for people to get in the voting machines and potentially fool with them so you're not supposed to get inside the machines but number two so she did that so that that charge that has arisen from that conduct of her urging them to look at the machines um is she unlawfully attempted to interfere with um the or to persuade uh, public officials um, to do something wrong, basically. I don't have the statutory language in front of me, but the gist of it is she's being charged because she tried to encourage them to look at the machines, which is not permissible, so therefore she was urging people to do something uh, that's not right. Second thing that she did apparently was facilitate this access to the machines to take the forensic image, which is not like any Tom, Dick, or Harry could go in and open the machines and snap make a few snapshots, you know, a few pictures. It takes someone who understands how to make a forensic image. And so she apparently, she's accused of arranging someone to come in with credentials that appeared to be legitimate, like he belonged there in this, um, while these uh, machines were open. And he was in fact there um, making these forensic images. No one is claiming that this person manipulated the images. No one's claiming anything that he gathered is inaccurate. And no one is claiming that this was done to in any way impact an election. No one is not, not election theft. This was simply trying to get to the truth. And I'll wrap up the first five by saying this. Her trial is coming up this week. Just think about this idea. We had in America the most controversial, uh, insecure, you know, highly dubious elections ever in American history in the 2020 presidential election, 2022 midterms, similarly problematic. That's what we had in America. And we've had experts, we've had experts on my show, many other shows, we've had symposiums, we've had, I, I know from people that I know sat down directly with a majority of governors, uh, or secretaries of state or election officials in states all around the country presenting overwhelming evidence that the electronic machines are the place, the machines and the use of electronics and computer stored data are the source of election theft and election fraud. But no one is being prosecuted for committing election fraud of that kind. There are people being prosecuted because they you know, voted for their dead uncle or something, but this systemic fraud that has now been shown to be the case, no prosecutions are happening about that. But Tina Peters, who brought this evidence and exposed it, so now everyone paying attention, who has an honest, open mind and looks at it, realizes, oh my gosh, we have a huge problem with, with the electronic voting machines. She's being prosecuted. And the analogy I wanted to make is, it's not a perfect, anal perfect analogy. There is no perfect analogy. But you know, you think about 
someone who recognizes that um, you know uh, ballots are being burned up in a fire, in a controlled fire by public officials, and they realize this is wrong and bad, so they run across the street, they jaywalk across the street, and they enter this restricted area where the fire is burning and pull the ballots out because they can pull the ballots out and show, hey, look, this is what was happening. She uncovered proof of systemic fraud, of machine fraud. And instead of prosecuting anybody else for committing it or trying to investigate to understand how it happened, she's prosecuted because she pointed it out, because she made it public, kind of like prosecuting the person in my analogy for jaywalking because you zipped across the street before the fire went out or before the fire consumed the ballots and you enter the restricted area where the fire is, you weren't supposed to be and pull the ballots out. It's about that. Instead of going after who's burning the ballots, or in this case, who's, slipping ba who's flipping ballots, who's permitting or, or set up the machines in a way to allow this access, those people not prosecuted. But Tina Peters is being prosecuted. I actually am close with her. We text and often, and uh, she appreciates your prayers. I hope all of us can keep praying for not just her, but for our justice system and for eyes to be open, for people to recognize the truth of what is occurring. Because the idea that any prosecutor in America even considered prosecuting a person in Tina Peters' shoes, that is, that is a terrible stain on the American justice system. And it is a, such a contortion, such an injustice that she'd be the one prosecuted and all the election fraud, which everyone can see, is just left alone, no prosecutions, barely any investigations. If we don't fix election fraud in this country, if we don't make elections, again, safe and secure and reliable, we've lost the country. And that's about all there is to it. And that, my very fine friends, is today's first five. So um, that Tina Peters trial, I do want you to read uh, that one-page summary or the entire Mesa County uh, Voting System Report number three. This is what it looks like. I, I've printed it off and put some stickies and highlights, but it's really, for if you're a computer-minded person, um, it's really, really good, And um, uh, but not the kind of thing you can uh, skim through uh, in 20 minutes at your desk. It takes the commitment to want to learn, but the summary is very, very good and um, really is just irrefutable. Okay, so what I wanna hit next today about Arizona election uh, further unraveling. You know, um, part of what was happening in the 2020 election, we talked about many times, but you know, we had, uh, as President Trump is running for uh, re-election for president and he has these massive rallies and you know, I'm a little bit involved in that kind of stuff. And I know in some cases, they were able to put together a massive rally in, in a variety of states on two or three days notice because there was so much enthusiasm for him because people wanted to go to a Trump rally. They wanted to stand for him and cheer for him, not cheer for mean tweets and not cheer for you know um, any of the complaints people have about Trump's personal life, but because they loved, he restored America and he restored love for America, respect for America. They just love to support him. And everyone saw Biden ran like no campaign at all. And, um, you know, just hung out in his basement. And, and even when he tried to come out, nobody wanted to go to his rallies. I mean, it was so obvious to everyone uh, what had occurred in 2020 that the uh, election was rigged and, and Trump won, which led to uh, much of what we are uh, watching in the country today, this growing deep divide by people who recognize that Trump won. But I want to talk about Carrie Lake now in Arizona. So she ran in 2022, as you obviously know, uh, she ran for governor of Arizona. And I happen to have met her a couple of times too, um, and had her on the show a couple of times. She's a um, 
you know, she's an unabashed Trump supporter, unabashed, you know, total MAGA person. Uh, and she ran um, to be, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> she ran to be governor um, in Arizona. And that election paralleled a lot of what happened with Trump in 2020, meaning she had huge rallies. People show up. They're cheerful. They're, they can't wait to get on the Cary Lake, you know, Cary Lake train. Um, and the other woman, the Democrat candidate, um, who was also at that time um, Secretary of State, uh, Katie Hobbs, she, um, she was overseeing the election and the biggest county in Arizona that kind of makes all the difference in every election is Maricopa County. Maricopa County has, in fact, it's the fourth largest county uh, in the country in terms of voters, maybe in terms of population, but in terms of voters, fourth largest in the country. Huge uh, county, uh, has gone Republican, just so you know, um, that it has gone uh, Republican before 2020. Maricopa County voted for every Republican presidential candidate going back to Eisenhower's first run. So before the lifetime of most of us are alive today. So Republican County and had all the problems we know about uh, and and the same kind of thing going on. Carrie Lake's really popular. Everyone loves her. Katie Hobbs is in the position of Secretary of State, which is simply mind-blowing and was in that... Um, position overseeing this election, Maricopa County filled with um, just what seemed like obvious fraud. Uh, Carrie Lake files a lawsuit. Uh, I think it was on Christmas Day or the day before Christmas, the judge dismissed the lawsuit. So the, the alleged um, a, a victor of that race in November 2022, you know, Katie Hobbs won by under 17,000 votes, under 17,000 votes in the whole state. Well, just in the um, County of Arizona, of Maricopa County, it's 4.4 million people. And um, as I say, they go overwhelmingly Republican all the time. And so they had tremendous problems on election day. Carrie Lake brought a mountain of evidence before a court trying to say something is really amiss in Maricopa County. This can't be right. And it just, it is one of those, like they used to say, it doesn't pass a smell test. I mean, people in Arizona and people around the country know that Carrie Lake won. They just know. And so yet we have to have, you know, Katie Hobbs, who wouldn't debate, who hit out, wouldn't, doesn't hold press conferences. You know, she just was like invisible, but she um, is out there, um, you know, uh, claiming victory and, and moving forward. So what, what has happened um, in Arizona, Carrie Lake had her lawsuit dismissed. She is appealing, but in the meantime, there's evidence being presented to the Arizona legislature, in particular, the Arizona Senate. So Shelley Bush, Shelby, excuse me, Shelby Bush is chairman of the We the People Arizona Alliance uh, PC and the Maricopa County Republican Committee vice chair. And he reported Shelby, Bush, I don't know if Shelby's a man or woman, but Shelby Bush reported to the Arizona Senate Elections Committee that a review of the system log files from the tabulators in Maricopa County the county that, um, you know, the, which the uh, Maricopa County Board of Supervisors continually kept trying to uh, ignore requests for um, this data. They, they wouldn't turn over the data. They weren't, would not be transparent in public. Finally, a FOIA request, a Freedom of Information Act, they finally get the data. And so Shelby Bush testified uh, before the Arizona Senate Election Committee that a review of the system log files from the tabulators in Maricopa County revealed nearly a quarter million ballots misread. A quarter million ballots misread in a race that the victor allegedly won by 17,000 votes. And yet um, nearly 
you know, 250,000 votes were uh, were misread. And and they have, I mean, I could show you these, you may have seen them online already, but they're like signature comparisons where, I mean, you know, a kindergartner could look at them and say, that's not the same signature. I mean, they're absurd level and they all get counted. Yeah, 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 that gets counted. And so this evidence has come to the attention of the Arizona Senate and they apparently are paying attention. I don't know how Carrie Lake's appeal will come out and I don't know what um, you know, what Arizona will do about it, even if they decide, yeah, it looks like everything was really, um, something really big was amiss here. I don't know what they'll do, but I so admire the spirit and integrity of Tina Peters and Carrie Lake, because if people don't push back, especially when elections are so obviously stolen and everyone can see it, if you don't push back, then those who are able to manipulate elections via electronic fraud using the machines, using tabulators, using voter registration rolls, anywhere with any kind of um, machinery that has access or a connection to a Wi-Fi or the internet, those that kind of election interference will continue. It's been working for two decades, this kind of uh, manipulation and theft. So anyway, so Carrie Lake is a little bit excited, I think, because she's got the attention of the Arizona um, Senate now with this um, new revelation, lots of data that you just, I mean, you read it and you just say at some point, doesn't common sense have to prevail? Just common sense. I want to mention quickly too about this, um, about this story um, and, and how we think about elections in this country. You know, when we had, um, at the very beginning of the Biden, he who occupies the White House, Biden presidency in 2021, and he had, um, you know, the um, Democrat majority in the House and Senate. They tried to push through three different bills in the course of time when they had Democrat control. And one was called For the People Act, the very first bill that the Democrats pushed in Congress um, after Biden uh, took the reins of the White House. I just cannot say he won because he didn't win. But in any case, so Biden's in, Democrats have the control. So they, they pushed For the People Act. They had the John Lewis Voting Rights Act named to make people feel guilty uh, because John Lewis was, he was in his era, a tremendous fighter for the civil rights movement, along with Martin Luther King and others. And so you name the bill after him and everyone has to vote for it or else you're not supporting John Lewis. In any case, and the third one was, was called the Freedom to Vote Act. All of those bills, all the efforts of the Democrats in Washington, all of those contain uh, essentially legalizing ballot harvesting full-on legalizing, not just legalizing it in every state, mandating that states permit ballot harvesting, the massive source of election fraud, and everyone knows it. Uh, automatic voter registration for all adults, no verification of citizenship, universal ability to vote by mail. Again, even when the Carter administration looked into election integrity, it was the big point they made. The singular place where electronic, where, where election fraud occurs is in the mail-in ballots. So the Democrats say, yay, we love that. So we're going to try to have um, all in mail-in ballots everywhere. And again, what they were trying to say, these weren't suggestions out of the Democrats in Washington. They were trying to mandate every state to adopt these. As you know, the Constitution says the states get to run the elections. So this is what they would stick in. Universal ability to vote uh, for any, uh, by mail, no reason. No voter ID requirement. In states that don't have one, you don't have to have one. Even if you have an ID requirement, you're forced to weaken it to accept a broad array of documents, including a sworn bill, a, excuse me, a sworn statement. I swear, I'm uh, Marilyn Monroe, I'm here to vote. I mean, th these are the kind of things they push. They're so blatantly 
pushing for legalization and mandating of vehicles for election fraud. This is what the Democrat Party stands for, and it's what they push. No voter ID requirements, uh, voting by um, convicted felons, unless they still happen to be incarcerated, um, and a ban on post-election independent audits. One of the many sources of exposing election fraud has been these post-election audits where people go around and they just knock on the door and say, hey, you know, Mr. Um, you know, uh, uh, Mr. and Mrs. So-and-so at your house, you know, I'm uh, verifying records from the election department, uh, says here you have 17 voters in this house, is that right? And the people go, no, there's only two of us. This is what election, the canvassing, this is what audits do. And so they're saying this bill, Democrats would have said, none of that stuff, no auditing, no canvasses, by, except by officials, Democrat officials, yeah. Okay, so I'm getting at this idea that if you really want, if your goal is just fair elections and having and honoring the idea of the founding of America and we the people being the sovereign and we choose our government and we live by consent of the governed, you should be pushing only things that will make elections more likely to be fair and honest. It's exactly the opposite is what the Democrats push, making it easier to cheat. And that's what they push in every piece of legislation. Republicans haven't been that great on this either. Uh, you know, they, they will not get on board yet. Even Republican majority uh, you know, states, and if they have a House and Senate majority in states, will not get on board with eliminating the use of electronic voting machines uh, and, and all electronics connected in any way to the election process. Um, but people are working on it. We had a big thing in Texas on Tuesday of this week. Um, I need to talk to my friend who was there, uh, but I believe they're making a big push. Just get rid of all electronics, all electronics. Okay, a uh, quick little uh, thing story to tell you here. This um, just about elections too. This is just, just in the contrast of who gets prosecuted and who doesn't. So in Georgia, they've announced, the state of Georgia has announced, uh, or that's being whispered and leaked, that they're likely to charge President Trump with a crime, with a crime related to the 2020 election because of a conversation he had with Georgia's Secretary of State, Brad Raffensperger, in which uh, he used the expression, I believe, something about asking him to find enough votes to overturn uh, the election in Georgia. Now, let me back up and say, at that point when that conversation occurred, President Trump and, and everyone around him who's supporting him and millions of Americans recognized the, the, the election was in the process of being, being stolen. They, they were fully aware that given everything they knew that Trump won re-election. And so I don't think Trump, I don't know him, I've never met him, but I don't know if, if President Trump was thinking, you know, he's not saying, you know, cheat and find a bunch of votes that don't really exist and add them to the tally so I won. He's saying, get in there and figure this out enough so you can figure out I really won Georgia because I'm sure I did. I kind of think that's what he meant, but I don't know. I don't talk to him. But in any case, the Georgia officials are considering charging President Trump, and it sounds like they're going to have gone to a grand jury, uh, charging him about that phone call. Again, he had a phone call with Secretary of State Raffensperger about finding votes. They had a, a grand jury last month. Um, there's a Fulton County DA named Fannie Willis, a woman named Fannie Willis, who basically has the right to decide whether or not to bring um, that prosecution. And so they're arguing basically he's you know trying to, criminal charges basically making him trying to steal the election uh, through that phone call. Um, Trump was not called to that grand jury. No one from his side was ever asked about the case. Um, and this was a, um, you know, a, uh, an example, I, I wanna just kind of tie it back to the stories I said earlier. 
I don't know if they really will indict President Trump, but I think a lot of what we're seeing in all these election fraud cases um, and issues, the overriding thing is that there's just a, uh, a massive determination on the part of the uh, Marxist left, the anti-American left, many in the media, and frankly, some in the Republican side of the aisle who are kind of the uniparty, who just would be really happy to have it come out somehow that Trump can't run again. Because Trump really unsettled everything about the way Washington functions, the way the uniparty functions, the way the whole deep state functions. Trump uh, upset, you know, just kind of rattled their cage and, and upset the apple cart. So there are a lot of people just thinking, can he just get out of it? So in Georgia, there may be that uh, thinking underlying as well, you know, we really kind of all want him out. So, but in any case, that's what happened. He may be charged in Georgia. Radio listeners, before you go off to your break, you're going to have a break at the bottom of the hour at 3.30. You're listening to Debbie Georgiatis. My show is America Can We Talk, and our website is americacanwetalk.org. I want to urge you to go to our website, and at that website, you can also you can listen to the show live. You can listen later to all interviews, past shows, blogs, why it matters. Everything we do is at the website, uh, so don't go away. I mean, at, at the bottom of the hour, you have a three-minute break at um, 30 minutes half past the hour, do come back. We'll be right here still talking about Saving America, which is the entire point of my show. It is Saving America. And so if you're on radio, uh, do come back after your break. I'm going to turn now and talk about something that I'm just really excited about um, having to do with what's happening in Washington, D.C. So we talked about last week how um, it was uh, just extraordinary and great uh, that there were a handful of, up to 20 at one point, of Republicans in the U.S. Congress who would not get behind Kevin McCarthy and his effort to be to win, even though Republicans have the majority, uh, there was concern about who would win the Speaker of the House race. Kevin McCarthy was kind of the heir apparent, was running. Everyone you know, knew he wanted that job. And 20 Republicans or so uh, stepped back and said, you know, just not so fast, uh, Mr. McCarthy. And they made some demands on the Speaker, uh, the, the would-be Speaker, that have, I think, changed the dynamics in Washington tremendously. I mean, truly changed the dynamics in Washington uh, in a lot of really important ways. And what I mean by that is they have, um, uh, they have let Washington know um, that they don't, they're not going to be the um, backbencher, um, you know, we just wait to be told what to think. We just, uh, you know, leadership bosses around. But the Republicans who held back said, we want a vital role, a real role for all of the Republicans um, who are running, um, who are in, in Congress. We want to have a, you know, I'm trying to find something to show you. Yep. Okay. Um, the uh, So they really made, they kind of, you know, put a line in the sand kind of idea um, that we are going to um, insist that we have... Um, a role for a very serious role um, for the uh, every Republican that we have a, a say in things that the the uh, Freedom Caucus has a say in things that we're not just going to be, um, you know, uh, just not going to be told what to do by the leadership. And so, among the things that's happened, so after many many concessions, and there were many many concessions made um, by the Speaker to finally get that role. Um, and, and so and he stepped up, and I'm, I'm long this introductory ramble is to get around the point to say, I am thrilled to see, so far at least, the kind of things Kevin McCarthy is doing. Kevin McCarthy is now Speaker of the House, and he is standing up and speaking up in ways 
are truly extraordinary. Um, among the things that happened was he is refusing, um, Kevin McCarthy um, is refusing to appoint two people, um, two Democrats, two positions um, on the House um, uh, Intelligence Committee. And so the, the two people are these very radical and dishonest Democrats, and he's being pressed. Kevin McCarthy's been saying, you know, because he's Speaker of the House, he's, he says who's on what committees. So the three things he's, he's done, which are just great, he's done many great things, the three I want to acknowledge today. One is he simply will not, will not let these wild Democrats who have no business on those committees, he won't let them on, those, on the House Intelligence Committee. And they are Adam Schiff and Eric Swalwell. So I have a clip for him, by him, of Kevin McCarthy. And I wanted to play it, not just because he's making that point, but he's, he's really being forceful. He's saying why they can't serve. So Mr. Mueller, if you have that clip of Kevin McCarthy, let's play that now. Let, let me be very clear and respectful to you. You ask me a question. When I answer it, it's the answer to your question. You don't get to determine whether I answer your question or not, okay? In all respect. Thank you. No, no, let's answer her question. You just raised a question. I'm going to be very clear with you. The Intel Committee is different. You know why? Because what happens in the Intel Committee, you don't know. What happens in the Intel Committee, although the secrets are going on in the world, other members of Congress don't know. What did Adam Schiff do as the chairman of the Intel Committee? What Adam Schiff did, use his power as a chairman and lie to the American public. Even the inspector general said it. When Devin Nunes put out a memo, he said it was false. When we had a laptop, he used it before an election to be politics and say that it was false and said it was the Russians. When he knew different, when he knew the Intel, if you talk to um, John Radcliffe, DNI, he came out ahead of time and says there's no intel to prove that, and he used his position as chairman, knowing he has information the rest of America does not, and lied to the American public. When a whistleblower came forward, he said he, he did not know the individual, even though his staff had met with him and set it up. So no, he does not have a right to sit on that. But I will not be like Democrats and play politics with these, where they removed Republicans from committees and all committees. So yes, he can serve on a committee, but he will not serve on intel, because it goes to the national security of America. And I will always put them first, all right? And if you want to talk about Swalwell, let's talk about Swalwell, because you have not had the briefing that I had. I had the briefing, and Nancy Pelosi had the briefing from the FBI. The FBI never came before this Congress to tell the leadership of this Congress that Eric Swalwell had a problem with a Chinese spy until he served on intel. So it wasn't just us who were concerned about it. The FBI was concerned about putting a member of Congress on the Intel Committee that has the rights to see things that others don't because of his knowledge and relationship with the Chinese spy. They brought it to the works of the leaders. I've got that briefing. So I do not believe he should sit on there, that committee. And I believe there's 200 other Democrats that can serve on that committee. So this has nothing to do with Santos. Santos is not on the Intel Committee. But you know what? Those voters elected Schiff, even though he lied. Those voters elected Swalwell, even though he lied to the American public, too. So you know what? I'll respect his voters, too, and they'll serve on committees. But they will not serve on a place that has national security reverence because integrity matters to me. That's the answer to your question. Okay, I, if I were there in person, I want to stand up and cheer because this is Kevin McCarthy. This was 
a wonderful thing that he did. What the reporter was was harping at him about was, well, once the voters of their district have decided that they want to put Adam Schiff back in Congress and Eric Swalwell back in Congress, you can't keep him off committees. And he didn't just say, hey, I'm speaker, I decide, too bad for you. He explained in the in a most articulate way, but also what he's saying, this is like, it's like me putting plain English. It's time for grown-ups to comprehend. We can't have people who are untrustworthy and lie to the American people sitting on a committee that has the most understands and learns the information. Most of the rest of Congress never learns. The House Intelligence Committee is extremely important. Confidentiality is 100% vital. And so I really, really want to commend um, Kevin McCarthy. And you know, by the way, Hakeem Jeffries, who's the Democrat minority leader. Um, he, when they went, went to committee formation, after Kevin McCarthy already said, these two cannot be on House Intelligence, not Schiff, not Swalwell, uh, Hakeem Jeffries put in his list to send to uh, McCarthy and said, yeah, and he puts those two, tries to put those two on that committee, which of course, Kevin McCarthy just said, um, no, we're not doing that. But I really liked the way he handled the question and he in insisted on getting the whole answer out. And whatever that, whoever that reporter was, um, wanted to just have some short, snippy quote she could attribute to him and she probably did it anyway but the idea he explained it all and he's so right it's, it's like grown-ups back in the room after having to listen to nancy pelosi stutter and stumble and slur her words way uh, through her uh, leadership it's just great to have a grown-up in the room uh, running the um, house and making the decisions about the house intelligence committee uh, two other things that mccarthy did which i just also want to really commend him for you know, he's putting together committees. Part of what the holdback, the people who said they want some concessions before they would agree, before they would agree that um, he could be speaker, uh, was just more roles for the conservatives in Congress um, who are part of the Freedom Caucus. They want to be represented on serious committees. And I will say, Congressman Chip Roy uh, is from Texas, and he's—I've known him for years—and um, he's a wonderful conservative and um, and been a real leader in the House. So I'm pleased. I saw Kevin McCarthy announce who's going to be in the Rules Committee, and the Rules Committee is the singular most powerful committee, period, because it kind of runs everything else. It decides what bills even get out of you know, formulation into a committee to be heard, to be reviewed. So it's extreme. It's the most powerful committee, House Rules Committee. Um, and he put on Chip Roy, along with one other member um, of the Freedom Caucus, I forget who that was, uh, Ralph Norman of South Carolina. So this is, again, Kevin McCarthy being true to his word. I'm thrilled and thrilled to have uh, Chip Roy on the House Rules Committee. Also, he put Chip Roy on this new committee we talked about yesterday, um, the um, House Subcommittee to Investigate the Weaponization of Federal Government. Love that, love that, love that, because this is going to be one of the few really consequential choices uh, going forward is how strong this um, House committee uh, examining the uh, left's use of weaponization of government against its political enemies, which simply must happen. And I'm thrilled that um, Chip Roy is going to um, be on that committee. Okay, so I want to tell you um, a couple quick things. Um, so uh, before I get to my last story, which has to do with Joe Biden and, and the um, documents, which is I have much more to say than a lot of people have been saying. I want to talk about how consequential it is with Joe Biden um, when he has documents that he's not supposed to have. Before I get to that, two things. One, tomorrow being um, Thursday, my guest joining me in studio is a guy named Wade Miller. And if you listen to my show for the last 10 years, you know he's been 
um, or nine years, I guess that is, yeah, nine years, um, he has been on many times, uh, but he is now a fellow and the executive director for the Washington, D.C.-based Citizens for Renewing America. It's a fabulous, serious, substantive, conservative think tank, um, and he's going to be, um, and so he's here to talk about a variety of groups. Um, he's going to talk with us about how the holdouts, the ones we were just talking about in the House uh, Speaker vote, help uh, Congress. Um, what what should happen now that the DOJ has already kind of said to the Weaponization Committee, we're not really going to give you anything. I mean, they haven't said those words yet, but they're posturing the DOJ, posturing itself to say, you know, you, the House uh, Weaponization Committee, you might think you're going to investigate, but you're not. I mean, they're really being defiant early on. So um, how should the House Committee handle that? And then also, uh, we're here in the great state of Texas, uh, where we have now had 42 counties sign on a petition to our governor, Greg Abbott, please declare an invasion at the border. If you're thinking, didn't he do that recently? No, he fudged. He kind of pretend declared an invasion. He didn't take the steps, which he knows, and Wade Miller knows, and I know, and lots of people know, to really declare an invasion is a different thing than what Governor Abnett did, and it would give him more power, but he hasn't really stepped up yet. So we'll be talking about that tomorrow, so don't miss tomorrow's show. Wade Miller, he's a great guest. I, I mean, we used to do speaking things together. He's just a great guy. So I hope you all can tune in tomorrow to the show. And one more thing before I turn to our last story. So I had uh, two things. You know, people ask me all the time, how can I help you on the show? How can I help? Uh, and so one thing, go to our website, join America Can We Talk for a mere $50 a year. If you go to the website, americacanwetalk.org, on the homepage, under shows, and under members, just um, scroll down, join, is $50 a year. It's a great way to support this show. Love to have you join. Number two um, is that we do, we are an affiliate with MyPillow. And Mike Lindell, the founder of MyPillow, uh, has a very uh, wonderful arrangement that really helps everyone. If you go to MyPillow.com, MyPillow.com, and while you're there, pick a variety of products that you like. I can guarantee you, because my husband and I use all of them, go to MyPillow.com. Not everything in the entire catalog. We have many, many MyPillow products in our home. Go to MyPillow.com, pick your items you like. When you get to the sign-out page, you're ready, um, you've finished your selections, it asks you promo code. Put in Debbie G, D-E-B-B-I-E-G, Debbie G. You get up to 66% off of your entire order, up to 66%. I get a small payment from them. It's a way to support the show, get great products delivered right to your home. And I'm telling you, we have the products in our home. We are happy with every single one of them. I'm sure you will be too. Great way to do shopping uh, for friends, uh, birthdays, any, any other reason you want. Go to MyPillow.com. Put in the promo code DEBBIEG, D-E-B-B-I-E-G, and you can support this show. Get great products. Come right to your home. The other way you can support this show, it's also fun, it's brand new, is that I've become an affiliate with the organization that I've talked about yesterday on my show for quite a bit uh, called Patriot Mobile. Patriot Mobile is America's only conservative phone carrier company. And at my at, uh, when you go to uh, Patriot Mobile, their deal is they are a phone carrier service. So, and the reason they can call themselves, legitimately say they're a patriotic service, is that their donations they make, all of the generosity they give to the community is, is consistent with what a conservative would do. 
They give to causes that you would believe in that you donate to yourself, donate to yourself. So if you switch to Patriot Mobile, you go to patriotmobile.com. You can put that up. Yeah, here we go. We got patriotmobile.com. And there also, uh, you can look through their packages. They have packages that meet everyone's need, everyone's budget. Um, go through, pick a package, and transfer your service um, to Patriot Mobile. And at there, they um, also have a promo code. So you can put in Debbie G, D-E-B-B-I-E-G, and become a Patriot Mobile customer. I'll tell you, my husband and I switched to Patriot Mobile. They use the same towers that your cell company uses, so you don't have to be worried about coverage. Same cell towers and wonderful choices of packages of deals. But the main reason to switch is because whatever other company you're using, they're probably making donations to causes you would never support because that's what they do. Patriot Mobile guarantees and they follow through. They make donations only to conservative causes you would love. So I hope you'll consider switching to Patriot Mobile. And on our website, americacanwetalk.org, on our homepage now, we have a banner. It gives you a little more information about Patriot Mobile. You click on that banner. It'll take you white your Patriot Mobile. You can make all your choices, choose your package, um, and you can buy a phone from them, or you can just bring the phone you have, and they'll switch it over. They'll make it easy for you. They have wonderful customer service. At the end of the day, you will have great customer service, uh, great phone service, and you'll be supporting causes you would support and not causes you would never in one million years consider supporting. Go to patriotmobile.com and put in Debbie G to get your, in fact, you put in Debbie G, they waive your activation fee. That's another reason to put in Debbie G, they'll waive your activation fee. Okay, my last story for today, I want to hit on, um, I called it deep dive in the Biden documents, um, espionage with a question mark. I want to tell you that there's a great, great, great writer um, whom I, I happen to know. I think he's just brilliant. His name is Sam Faddis, F-A-D-D-I-S, Sam Faddis. Um, and he is a, um, um, he's a um, former CIA guy. I mean, not just like, you know, a few years, decades of super um, CIA operative a leader in, within the CIA movement. I mean, just with the CIA activity, a real, actual, um, j- just an extraordinary patriot uh, in the CIA when it was all about being pro-America. Um, and he writes at something called AND, A-N-D, AND Substack, which I subscribe to. I urge you to do that. What he did, he breaks down. So this whole story has come out about Joe Biden and the documents they found at Biden's residence. And they found it first at the uh, Penn Center. And again, I mentioned the other day, we talked about it, but Biden's Penn Center in Washington, D.C. kind of grew out of his presidency or his vice presidency back under Obama. And it is funded, um, the UPenn Biden Center, funded largely by funds from the Chinese Communist Party. They go through UPenn and come right to him. This is a hotbed of Chinese Communist Party money in uh, going into the UPenn Biden Center, which is in Washington, D.C. And they basically put up policies supporting China and therefore undermining America. It is it's breathtaking. If we had a serious media in this country, they would have been pummeling him from the moment he left the White House about why he's so supportive of China over America. And if you're thinking, well, I like China too. I mean, yes, you know, China, China is a, is a trading partner of America's. And, uh, but I want to make clear something people just do not comprehend. And, and, and I've, even though I've talked about my show a lot, as have others. In China, they have uh, 
I mean, leave aside how they treat their people. Leave aside they have, they literally have slavery. They literally have a horrific treatment, um, just mistreatment, abuse, serious, grotesque abuse of, of human beings. Um, but they also have a mindset that says China intends very seriously, not exaggerating, China intends to be the world's one superpower. They're absolutely dedicated to taking America um, out of being a, a world superpower. They simply are dedicated to taking down America. And there's a book you can order. I've ordered it. You can get it on Amazon and translate it into English called Unrestricted Warfare. Unrestricted Warfare was written by two high-level Chinese you know, CCP army generals talking about, here's how we're going to take down America. And they talk about all the things they're going to do to take down America. And when you read it, you realize everything they do, even when it seems like it's a friendly gesture, you know, send over Confucius Institute people and be friendly and share our culture and claim that's the reason. They are determined, determined to take down America and to be the single superpower to dominate and control and take down America. This is not um, hyperbole. This is not exaggeration. This is not fear-mongering. This is what China thinks. If you've ever listened to Gordon Chang interviews on my show, if you haven't, you can go to our website, americacanbetalk.org, and go to Gordon Chang interviews and just listen to them. I mean, China has this mission. So back to where we are. So Joe Biden has these documents, and they're all at his home at the UPenn Biden Center, now found in his home where his son Hunter was living. And a lot of excuses are coming out quickly about, well, you know, it was probably inadvertent. You know, they, a few minions or, you know, so, well, people working for him misplaced a few pieces of paper. It doesn't mean anything. And that could not be further from the truth. I urge you to read this piece by Sam Faddis. He's basically saying China has modernized the nuclear weapons, dramatically expanded the number of nuclear weapons, stolen a march on us in the development of hypersonic missiles. The balance on the power, balance of power on the planet has shifted because of industrial scale Chinese espionage was allowed to occur. The balance of power on the planet has shifted because industrial scale Chinese espionage was allowed to occur. The Chinese don't just steal military secrets. They compromise top government officials, which they have been doing, not just the Bidens, although the Bidens are you know, owned by the Chinese, but not just the Biden family, but people throughout the high positions of power in our country, including like Eric Swalwell gets himself involved with a Chinese spy. That wasn't just because they happened to find each other attractive. It's an operation. It's a mission. They go after people like Eric Swalwell who are morally loose and easy and vulnerable. But in any case, the point that Biden, that uh, Faddis is making about this is during the time that, you know, we had Joe Biden as vice president under Obama, there was a massive connection created between Hunter Biden and the CCP and Chinese intelligent personnel um, and CCP leaders. They are connecting with Hunter on purpose as an emissary, as a connector to his dad, because his dad was then vice president. And so... We have the locations these documents were found, the Penn-Biden Center created after Biden left office, uh, awash in Chinese money. Documents there were found that only, not only were top secret, should never have left the White House and had no, and Joe Biden had no uh, right as a VP to, uh, to waive that classification. Only a president has that, but also some documents marked SCI. SCI that reportedly some of the documents found SCI, which is even worse because it stands for Sensitive 
compartmented information. Basically, it's information in those documents that can be used to identify Americans serving as spies for their country in China. It gave China the opportunity to identify who within their China, in the land in China, were spies for America, and obviously hunt them down and kill them. So you had, you know, this idea that this innocuous little slip up happened. This is under the, you know, the facts, or you have to look at what's happened in the find the location, locating these documents to recognize who Joe Biden is, who Hunter Biden is. This family has been compromised by the Chinese by, to the tune of millions. They've made their way to Joe Biden through Hunter Biden. And those documents sitting there, I mean, there was one I saw some commentator, maybe it was Sam Fast, someone else said, it's probably documents that, you know, Joe was supposed to deliver and he forgot. Uh, but anyway, you know, it just, uh, the, these, the information they could have gotten from the Biden family would include things that would help China in their impending effort to take down uh, Taiwan. I mean, enormously consequential documents. And these were all in places that Hunter Biden had access. Hunter Biden is the go-between, the big guy, all connect. Joe Biden's the big guy. Hunter Biden's the guy connected to all the CCP people. Two other points Sam Fattis makes. Uh, one is to recognize that they, they, the lawyers for Joe Biden that found these documents in the Penn Center um, in Washington found them before the midterms, but held it secret. No one knew because it couldn't have an impact the midterms. Um, but then it came out. And then also the searches for the documents are being conducted by Joe Biden's lawyers. And the reason is, when they are conducted by lawyers, his own lawyers, his attorneys, that means that you have just an amazing capacity to assert attorney-client privilege. Sorry, can't tell you anything. Um, it is just a, a, and you know, the last thing is they've now, I mentioned this the other day talking about this, but the DOJ very quickly appointed a special counsel. Uh, I think his last name is Her, H-U-R. Appointed a special counsel which then means that any effort of the Congress to get information out of the uh, DOJ or the FBI about what's going on, what did, um, what was in those, what documents were they, what, what was in the Penn Center, what was at their house, what the contents were, all the investigation that any sane majority would do in Congress would be blocked, be blocked. Merrick Garland's already said, you know, sorry, but you know, this is uh, this information, you know, there's a special counsel, investigation's ongoing, so. Sorry, can't have a thing. These people are, it's, it's a very, very um, serious and, um, and contrived thing. Okay, one last quick thing to tell you about this before I go to why it matters to you, um, which is, this is kind of interesting. So once the Republicans won the majority in the House at the end of 2022, so they know they have the majority, um, and but you know they're still finishing out 2022, uh, Kevin McCarthy announced there was going to be a committee, a House committee, a House China Select Committee to confront CCP threats, China's Communist Party threats. So he's trying to say essentially, you know, we're going to get after, um, you know, what these, the Chinese are doing. And this is, you know, God be raising, pardon the double entendre, red flags in the White House as you know, Joe Biden is thinking, shoot, they're going to look into everything I've been doing with the CCP. So McCarthy announces this and then they, they get the majority, they get started. So this committee has now been appointed and, and passed by Congress uh, creating this committee. Amazingly, 65 Democrats voted against forming this new committee. And people, if you understood the depth and scope of the determination of the CCP, the Chinese Communist Party, to take down America, and you sit in Congress and you vote no, as 65 Democrats did, 
led along with uh, amazingly AOC. Um, they, uh, they don't want a new Chinese committee. I have a quick clip. You're going to hear why. You're going uh, a quick clip why this um, why this decision was made by her that we can't that she won't oppose this select committee. We can quickly play Ryan Morrow's clip. AOC and 64 other Democrats voted against a new congressional committee to address the China threat because they claim it'll increase anti-Asian bigotry and because they're scared of calling it a cold war. But it passed overwhelmingly anyway, so let's talk about what it's going to do. I'm Ryan Morrow with American Military News, and despite all the other Democrats and 100% of Republicans voting for it, this group of progressive Democrats really stand out this time for voting against having a new House Select Committee on China to combat the China threat. This group of progressives said that they were basically afraid of using the phrase Cold War, even though it's a reality that we are in a Cold War with the Chinese Communist Party. And they said they were afraid of even talking about this could increase anti-Asian bigotry in America. Okay, we got. I, I got to tell you, I could talk so much more about that, but we're almost out of time. For radio listeners, thank you for listening. Thank you, Brian Radio, for carrying the show. Go to americachemitalk.org, and you can read all about everything that we uh, talked about today. You can listen to everything we did is always there uh, for, you know, ever since the show's been on, lots of things to hear. Uh, thank you for listening for everybody else. Uh, very quickly, for what he's talking about there, can you, can, can you just absorb the vapidity, if that's a word, the vapid nature of your ability to reason when you're a Democrat and you're sitting in the United States Congress and you know, maybe you don't know, maybe you're so ill-informed, you don't realize what a threat China is and you like Chinese food a lot, so maybe you don't want to be picking on them. These people, she, AOC statement was she didn't want to, uh, you know, give the impression there's a cold war. She's not realizing there's already a cold war and we didn't start it. And China means to take us down. She sounds like a, a, a you know, 10th grader trying to say, well, I don't see why we have to be mean to China. I mean, the, the idea that someone of her just absolute vapid intellect serves in the Congress is mind-blowing, along with 65 other Democrats. Although mo that means most Democrats voted with Republicans better have this committee. And the idea that the only mindset AOC can go to is that this might create anti-Asian bigotry. She lives in this world of fear of bigotry, a, a lunatic level, irrational fear of bigotry, that she'd rather let China, she'd rather not have a committee to investigate China's efforts to take down America, to spy on America, to take, to really destroy America. She doesn't want to investigate because that might make people feel bad. I mean, seriously, the level of the in her capacity to not reason is, is simply mind-blowing. More on that next time. I got to roll. So, okay, friends, at the close of every show, I tell you why the stories we talked about today matter to you. So we started the show today talking about Tina Peters' trial starting in Colorado tomorrow. Tina Peters is a Heartland of America woman who served as election clerk in Mesa County, Colorado, acted in a very reasonable suspicion of election irregularities, did her duty and asked the board of supervisors to do theirs, discovered rigged voting machines in her county, cyber experts examined them, wrote definitive reports on the means and methods of rigging. Not one of the cyber experts' reports had been disputed or disproven. Yet in Democrat-controlled Colorado, Tina Peters is being prosecuted for allowing an IT expert to use an ID tag to discover the rigging, akin to prosecuting a person because she jaywalked while uncovering massive election rigging, or my little analogy, pulled ballots out of a fire. 
Is there a judge left in America who understands how this looks to the American people? This is rank prosecutorial abuse, straining out gnats and swallowing camels, as the Bible says. It's the ruling class versus the people, and the people have had enough. An Arizona election further unraveling, the ruling class refuses to face the truth of overwhelming evidence of election fraud. The judiciary so far refuses to see what every normal person can see. Testimony in the Arizona Senate this week showed more than 250,000 ballots misread. Signature matching examples show ridiculous alleged matches. Yet margin of Hobbs victory was 17,000 votes. Will the Arizona appellate court find the courage to set aside a bogus election? Carrie Lake is giving the judicial system the opportunity to dispense justice in the face of overwhelming evidence. Not clear how much more patience the American people have with cowardly officials and judges. And on criminal charges against Trump in Georgia, Georgia's elections riddled with documented massive corruption. Georgians rightly have little or no confidence in the integrity of results in the 2020 presidential election, 2020 special election for U.S. Senate, or the 2022 results. Yet a four-minute call by Trump in the aftermath of the 2020 urging investigation is now the focus of a ruling class convened grand jury deciding on potential criminal indictment of Trump. Ruling Uniparty in D.C., Colorado, Arizona, and Georgia, and elsewhere, willfully refuses to consider the evidence of massive election fraud and insists the problem is Trump. Mainstream media bias obscures a growing mass of American people who understand the evidence and are impatient and disgusted with officials' defiance, cowardice, and willful blindness. Americans' impatience and disgust are not going away. This must be fixed. And Kevin McCarthy stepping up. I, I'm, I was so impressed with that guy. McCarthy acting with surprising backbone. Freedom Caucus members are on the Rules Committee. Schiff and Swallow are off the Intelligence Committee. Committee on Weaponization of Government appointed, including uh, Freedom Caucus members and Committee on Resisting China appointed. Another great committee. McCarthy's takedown of ridiculous journalist whining about Schiff and Swalwell goes viral. 20 House members who stalled McCarthy's election to the speakership deserve credit. They leverage their consolidated strength to get concessions and still more fight. And it's working. And on deep dive on Biden documents espionage, I'm going to come back to this more. I barely skimmed the surface today, but China has openly declared unrestricted all means necessary war against America. They lie, steal, and cheat as necessary, and they seek to own U.S. elected officials. Example, Eric Swalwell, compromised by a female Chinese spy. Millions and maybe billions have been paid by China to the Biden family interests, shrugged off by Biden's as just business. Now the discovery of SCI documents in multiple Biden family locations, including a home occupied by Hunter and his entourage, is raising the most basic question. Did Biden deliver top secret SCI documents to China in exchange for money? We don't know that, but it is reasonable to, to wonder, to ask. Biden's DOJ FBI cannot be trusted to investigate, but will others get to the truth? This is a monumental scandal. Biden could be forced out over this, and the basic question must be answered. And that, my very fine friends, is America Can We Talk for today. Thank you so very much for tuning in every Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time to America Can We Talk, where I always talk truth about America, because America matters. And I will talk to you next time.
time we talk truth about America. Can you-